for joining online. Uh, we are glad to have you with us. And we have one person who isn't online and hasn't been here in a long time, and that's Sharon Bolkin. Man, Sharon, good to see you. Air hugs. <laughs> so I meant to catch you in the foyer. I missed you, but I did see you from afar. So it's good to uh, see you here, and uh, it's good to see everybody here. And so that's uh, awesome. So thank you for being here this morning. If you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of First John. We're going to continue our study. Uh, this series, this whole sermon series, is called The Know God is to Love God. And we've been, we, are, we have been and we will be focusing on this topic of bringing relationships to light. And this is our second installment from 1 John chapter 2. We'll be looking again at verses 7 through 14. And if you're joining us this morning for the first time, once again, I just want to welcome you and thank you for being here this morning. And uh, especially if you served in VBS, it's like, oh my goodness, I know you guys are worn out. Then God gives you this really awesome morning to sleep in. And uh, you're like, oh, I got to get up and go to church. But praise God, I'm glad you're here. Boy, this was a, it's a good day to sleep for sure. The weather is nice. But uh, I just really want to uh, thank everybody. If you just kind of rolled in the door and everybody might be a little lethargic today, uh, the church has really poured themselves out this last week with VBS. It was a great time. We averaged about 55 to 56 children in attendance through the week. And uh, for everyone involved, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I know the Lord will give you your rewards, but I just want to thank you for that. And, uh, and I got your voicemail. That was awesome. So there's a, lot, there's a lot to celebrate. That's why I'm wearing a happy shirt today, right? I'm, I'm celebrating all that God is doing. And the theme uh, of Destination Dig was Seek Truth, Find Jesus. A couple of you know that. I guarantee if you have kids here, they'll know it. And they will scream it back to you. So uh, there's a lot of truth. Uh, not a lot of truth. That is true. When we seek truth, we'll find Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. So uh, I would encourage you, if you'd like to be involved in that next year, we could use uh, we could use all of we could use everybody. Uh, there's nothing, there's not going to be a such thing as a surplus of help. So see Chris and Lauren Cohen. They did a great job of organizing this year. And uh, I appreciate everybody that was involved from the AV booth to uh, all the leaders in the groups. And I mean, there's so much that went on and uh, praise the Lord. So thank you, Jesus. And thank you all for investing your life in that. And so I'd also encourage you, if you want to get an early start, you don't have to wait till next year's VBS. Uh, we could still use some help. We're about 50% staffed in the Kingdom Seekers, so um, I'm, 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 I'm appealing to you, uh, whoever you are, everybody here. We could use all, if we had uh, if we had uh, about uh, 20 more couples uh, or 40 more individuals, we would be in an awesome rotation where people work about once a month, which is what we really would like to have. Uh, we have some folks that are burning their candle at both ends, and I'd like to. I'm praying that God provides uh, not just relief, but that people catch a vision. Uh, for what it is to invest in the lambs and uh, what a great uh, privilege it is to invest in the lambs and I do believe that it's so important that we invest in the children because if we're not faithful with least not that they're not to minimize them because they are everything but um, if we don't if we don't invest in that which is least then God's not going to give us more so and I don't mean just children but adults I mean if we got to be faithful with that precious gift that God's given us so be praying about how you might want to help out in that, even if you just want to pray, you can join me. Can everybody join me in praying that God would provide labors for the harvest? That would be, I mean, that's, we can all do that. So we're, God's unified us already this morning. So praise God for that. And, uh, and so let's all pray about that and see what God will do. Uh, this morning, as we get into the word of God, I, I, I stopped short last week. So I'm going to just do some review with you uh, as we talk about how important it is to bring relationships to light. John's addressing the audience um, that we I laid out for you last week, and I gave you uh, in First John chapter two verses seven through fourteen, really just an outline 
And if you, if, as you look in the book of John, you, you'll see the orientation of John being an oriental author. And so he doesn't uh, lay things out as lineal, lineally as Paul does in his church epistles or his pastoral epistles uh, because he is a, he's a Hebrew background and he writes in that way, sort of like you would read in the Old Testament. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to keep track of all of that, especially for those of us that are more geared from a Gentile mind or a Roman background, like where we like point A, point B, point C, one, two, three, everything in a line and lined up. So I make these little charts just to help, but it also helps illuminate some of the things that God's doing. And I'll point that out. Even the order of which we have it listed here, little children, brethren, fathers, young men, I believe that's of the Holy Ghost. And I'll get into that at the end of the message. But but uh, we saw the audience of 1 John chapter 2 are the little children, uh, which is the foundation, right, of, of everything that we just were talking about. It's the, then the brethren, which deals with the fellowship. And we'll be talking a lot more about that this morning, as well as fathering, right? It's so important to have fathers in the congregation dealing with knowledge, personal knowledge of the word, uh, and then young men. And uh, young men form the fighting force, uh, even in, in, uh, in our uh, military, right? We don't send... You don't send old men out to battle unless you're absolutely out of young men, right? Young men are the ones that we employ in battle. And so you need young men. They represent strength. I'll talk more about that as well. And then I gave you just some, some uh, a chart last week. I didn't put it on this week's handout. And by the way, if you need a handout and you don't have one, just raise your hand and uh, see the ushers coming around, and, and they will get that. Brian will get you one of those. If you need one, just leave it up until they get there. Help will arrive. And so... Um, I gave you seven stages of spiritual growth. Now, if you're a member of HBF, been through our discipleship process, we have uh, an outline of, of the discipleship as they walk through seven stages of spiritual growth. But you can also see it in, in, the, in the, the descriptions of babes, little children, children, young men, fathers, elders, and the aged. And I, I, uh, I laid that out. If you want to get that, last week's notes have that, uh, or you can go back and I can get you the PowerPoint if you want it. But that's what we talked about last week as we were talking about bringing relationships into light. The first point that we had last week was it was important to see clearly. And we started in 1 John 2, 7, and I pointed out that he is addressing brethren and how he wrote no, no new commandment unto us, but an old commandment which was from the beginning. The old commandment was the word which ye have heard from the beginning. And so I pointed out how John addressed brethren and how he contrasts uh, bring the contrast that you find in the text uh, which kind of can be confusing, actually brings clarity and not a contradiction uh, to the text. It brings things to light, which is why that first point is to see things clearly. And then the lesson that John is teaching us is about light. And so we talked about how you can gauge your walk with God in the light and thereby your fellowship with God, First John chapter 1 and verse 3. And it, it's how you relate to the brother. And if you were here last week, I spent some time really parked the car on evangelism, how important it is to get the gospel where it needs to go, because that is the light, right? The, the devil's trying to block. Second Corinthians chapter 4 speaks to that. But the reality is uh, it's not just about our want to to share the gospel. It's, a, it's really conditioned on our love for one another. And that, that relationship that we have with the body of Christ is what illuminates the gospel, right? People know we're his disciples. Why? Because we have love one for another, right? And so uh, you can want to get the gospel where it needs to go all day long. But if you hate your brother... It isn't going to be very effective, right? You're not going to, God's not going to bless that. That's why, again, I, and I talked about that last week, how, why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So if you're wondering about, man, I want to be evangelistic, well then make sure your heart's full of love for God and for your brother. And uh, I know we talk about that a lot. It's easy to say. It's harder to practice. So we got to do that. And then when we, we read the Old Testament, we saw very clearly that Cain 
was able to speak to the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and yet he was still walking in darkness. Why? Because he rejected the light. I'll circle back about on, on that today in just a few moments. And that's why we take the, uh, the ordinances seriously here at HBF, and uh, as I just mentioned. And we talked about how Jesus set forth the new commandment. Now, that is important that you remember this, because I'm not going to go back and rehearse it again. So when we talk about this new commandment, and, and John talking about the old commandment, it can be a little confusing. Somebody could even point and say, oh, there's a contradiction. But it's not a contradiction. It brings clarity because John was rehearsing and repeating what Jesus Christ had spoken to them in John chapter 13 and verse 34, where he said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, of course, when Jesus said that, he had not yet gone to the cross, right? He ended up giving his life for the sheep. Right, he was the sacrifice for sin, so it was an old commandment. Right, uh, Paul, uh, John's like, I'm not inventing anything. This goes back to the beginning, and I quoted that from the Old Testament last week. We're to love God and to love our brother, and that's the great. You know, we know even Jesus spoke to that that uh, lawyer, and he's like, upon these hang the law and the prophets. Right, everything can really be if you want to bring it down to two points. The whole law is to love God, love people. But that was illustrated, and what did that really mean? Well, the law is fulfilled in Christ. So Christ demonstrated what the love of God really is when he loved the Father enough to die for us. And so, uh, and so that's, that is the gospel, isn't it? That is the, the gospel is contained in that. And so Jesus Christ, uh, he did that. He illustrated that. He is the essence of what uh, this commandment is. And so John is giving, uh, it's an old commandment, but it's a new commandment. Why? What makes it new? Well, it's because Jesus Christ died and shed his blood and gave us a new testament, right? We got his word, and now we have illumination and light that we did not have previously to the Lord Jesus Christ on what that Old Testament command means. So that simplifies the commandment for us. So in 1 John chapter 4, verses 21, the commandment that we have from him is that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so that's what we talked about last week. That's really as much as I could get through in the time we had and and John illustrates that commandment for us in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 11 through 16. And we aren't going to get into that today. But Jesus, he lived this commandment for us as well. And so we have the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hopefully we have living examples, living epistles right here among us. And so that's really the end of the review uh, from last week. So this, this morning as we talk about bringing relationships to light, and see, we understand that it's so important to see this commandment that John is talking about very clearly. And I hopefully we accomplished that last week, and I rehearsed that this morning. But I want to just go back now and revisit the text as we continue in our outline. 1 John chapter 2, let's look at verse 10. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. The King James gang translated that scandal. It's another, it's a Greek word for scandal. None occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one, I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for this time uh, and just reflecting and reviewing, remembering what we have covered. Thank you for every soul that's gathered. Thank you for the great week that we have had. We've seen uh, souls saved, literally. There's members of our church that have seen loved ones come to faith in Christ. We've seen young children fed in the Word of God, memorizing verses, uh, putting the Word of God in their heart. We have seen, uh, Lord, a lot of your work being accomplished in the hearts and the lives of your people. Lord, people are weary, but Lord, I pray that we're not weary in well-doing. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to gather now and reflect on your word. I pray, God, that the word of God would dwell in us richly in all wisdom, that you would illuminate our understanding of who you are, Lord, and that our, and our knowledge of you would allow us to love you even more so the gospel can be shown to this world that's getting increasingly dark. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, as, the, as the th- things grow darker, Lord, it just uh, contrasts the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And I thank you and I praise you and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. And uh, I want you to look now at the text once again in verse 10. It says, And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Okay, so we've talked about, as I take off my glasses, we've talked about uh, seeing clearly, right? Uh, We've talked about seeing clearly. So uh, that is through the lens of love, right? And obedience to God's commands. Uh, Now we're going to talk about walking soundly, right? You got to see clearly and you got to walk soundly. If we're going to bring relationships to light, we got to see clearly and we got to walk soundly. It's not just about what we uh, see, it's about also how we walk it out. And in this passage that we just read, he talks about um, that there's none occasion of stumbling in him, right? So if you love your brother, uh, it says that his, the, it says he that loveth his brother abideth, right? Lives in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. And so uh, that's an important passage. So walking in the word ensures that we walk in the, the light. And that's what we learned a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to go back and rehearse that message. But when we looked at 1 John chapter 2, that really loops us back to the introduction in verses 1 through 6. It's important that we walk in the light of his word, that we walk in the love of his word, and that we walk like the word, right? Our, our, it's important that we walk like Jesus. There's that verse there, that, that word there, stumbling. As I mentioned as I was reading the text, uh, another way to, that, that, was, that was taken from the Greek word occasion there was taken from the word scandal. And how many times have we seen a scandal cause someone to stumble, right? An occasion to stumble. So we need to walk in the light so we don't become a stumbling block. Now, sadly, we all have the propensity to do that, yours and, you know, me included, right? Because we're made out of clay. That's where love has to kind of lubricate all the joints in the body. But the reality is we should desire to walk in the word so that we walk in the light so that we, are, we don't give an occasion for anyone to stumble, and so that's getting back to what we learned in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Uh, he that, uh, that loveth his brother, though, it says, abideth in the light. Now, abideth does mean to dwell or live in the light. Uh, the evidence of abiding in the light is love for brothers, not to beat a dead horse. That's what we talked about uh, this morning already and last week. So if we don't abide uh, with our brothers, right, and, don't, and we don't fellowship with the family of God, if that's not a priority, do we really Abide in the light. What do you think? I mean, that's a question. No. Now, how many of us, honestly, now you don't have to speak out loud. When you're not right with God, do you really feel like coming to church? Of course not. I mean, do you really want to be around Christians? That awkward feeling about, oh my gosh, I'm not, I've got to fake it to make it. I hate that. Now, I know no one here has ever been there. 
But, uh, but you know, that, what that is is when we're not abiding in the light, right? Uh, and by the way, there's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man, right? But God's able, right? And so abiding in the light, when you get that funky feeling that I'm talking about, right? It's not, listen, it's not everybody else. It's you. And it's about God. It really is about God. Now, I'm not talking about personalities and stuff. I'm talking about just understanding the priority, the preeminence, right, of the body. Now, this last year, or the body of Christ, this last year, we learned a lot. I think a lot of people who may have taken that for granted once COVID came all of a sudden had a new appreciation for abiding uh, together and in the light. You don't have as much opportunity to love your brother whenever you're, you know, uh, sequestered in your home. Uh, one of the things that we did here at Heartland was we made sure, we, we prioritized the adult Bible fellowships ahead of the worship service. We made sure to do the worship service, but we made really sure that we had the adult Bible fellowships going. Why? Because that was the fellowship that kept people connected, the dialogue, the discourse, the love for one another. That's the strength of the church. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. If we don't abide with our brothers and we don't uh, make fellowshipping with the family of God a priority, you know, more than just on the first day of the week or otherwise, we don't have love for our brethren. And that implies that we're not abiding in the light. So this is the mark of maturity, right? And so as, as we mature in the faith and in, in love, our walk grows sound. Why? Because we're able to love like Christ. Actually, as we grow even more mature, more, we love like the Father. And so uh, maturing in our love is important. Walking in the light allows us to mature in that. I'll, I'll throw out a name of someone who I saw mature like that, and, and he's in heaven now, so we can all, we can all you know, we can, I'm not picking on anybody that's in the room or comparing ourselves with ourselves, but I remember uh, we, had a, we had a member here and a deacon. Well, he was never actually in the deacon office, but he had deacon character. His name was Walt Cundiff. And, man, he stressed grace and love, and he was like a father figure, uh, in the congregation to a lot of people. Why? Because he was full of this, this grace and love that we're talking about. I'll get to that too in just a moment. But it, it helps keep your feet underneath you spiritually. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Uh, and so it's really a mark of maturation when you grow to that place where you can, can really grow in that love. And that Well, what happens is the light goes on, right? Maybe your physical fac- faculty starts to dim, but your spiritual light bulb continues to glow and uh you know just like old joe used to sit around pumping his fist you know and uh you know the guy couldn't barely get to church on sundays uh but he did and that was enough right that was a that was a big huge light bulb why because there was a love for god and then when when like joe would show up in intense anguish and pain and i'm not even i'm not embellishing there i'm not saying he was in intense anguish to build him up or to make more of it than it was he was in anguish and he would sit here. What was he really saying to us? I love God, obviously, because I'm assembling on the first day of the week. But man, what a privilege. Thank you for joining us when you're in that kind of pain. It, it showed the love that he had for the body of Christ. And so, uh, man, that goes a long way when it comes to relationships. And that's why, you know, th- th- those men, we think of them and they're honorable men. And so it's a mark of maturation. I'll, I'll circle, circle back around to that as well. I'm getting like a, and don't, please don't, don't, don't call me Jen Saki. Who did that? That, that? I'm talking circles because of John, not Jen Saki. So anyway, somebody was giving me grief about that. Maybe my wife, I don't remember. But uh, 
I'm doing an oriental text, so I might say circle back a few times. Give me some grace. So walking in the Word uh, keeps us from stumbling. It's okay to laugh on Sunday, too. It keeps us from stumbling. This is real practical. And, I, you know, I say, well, I thought we were talking about walking in the light. I am talking about walking in the light. If you're going to walk in the light, you're going to walk in the, the Word of God, right? Psalm 119, 105, you know the verse, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So what illuminates our way isn't our own um, demeanor. It's not our own. It's not what we conjure up. It's the Word of God dwelling with us. When we talk about abiding in the, in the light and having this love. But really what we're talking about is, is what Philippians 2 is all about, right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean just, you know, memorize every verse, which is a great thing to do, and we should. Actually, I'm going to give you some homework today on memorization. Uh, but we should definitely memorize the Word. But it's really about let this mind, right, this mindset be in you, which was that of what? Jesus Christ humbling Himself, becoming obedient to the Father, giving His life for everyone else, so that God could highly exalt Him, give Him a name which is above every name, which we just sang about in that last song. And, and man, that's what it's about. It's glory, which is what? Light. It's the illumination that comes from obedience. Jesus Christ, obviously being the apex and the example of what that is, we should also walk in the light because walking in the Word keeps us from stumbling. You know, Psalms 37 and verse 30 says this, The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. When the Word of God, the light of God's Word is in us, right, it it illuminates our path so we can see. I liked on the, the last day of the destination dig we were going to dress up and well we all kind of dressed up like archaeologists and stuff and man these kids come in with these little lights illuminated lights on their head and uh, it was cool and i thought man i got one of those i forgot to get that thing but that little light right it, it, it you could be in a dark room and it, you can tilt them now they just got that little elastic headband you, i should have wore one today and you can just tilt it wherever you want to and wherever you want it and you can just walk around and it'll illuminate your path now, you don't always know what's past that, but you can illuminate what's in front of you, what's, what you're, you, where you're supposed to walk next. It'll help you avoid potholes. It'll keep your feet from, from sliding. It'll help you keep your steps. When somebody backslides, what's really happening? Well, they have wandered away from the Word of God. They're, they're not walking in the light of God's Word. They can't see what's going on in front of them, and they start to slide. Their feet it slips. Their foot slips, their feet start to slip and slide. In Psalm 18 and verse 28, the Bible says, For thou art my, <coughs> art thou, I'm sorry, for thou wilt light my candle. I like that. You know, thou wilt light my candle. You know, your life is like a candle. It's like a vapor. It's like a, it's like a candle. The day I got saved, March 25th, 1987, I got lit up. And beloved, I want to burn every bit of wax I got before Jesus comes. Right, you want you want to, you want to be illuminated. The Lord, he, He's lit my candle. He's lit your candle. Uh, Psalms eighteen twenty eight. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Uh, for for by Thee I have run through a troop. What's that mean to David? Well, he says, well by through through Him, I, through His light that's in me, I've ran through a troop. Meaning in combat, He's been able to run right through a troop. I mean that's crazy. And by my God, I have leaped over a wall. Now, that's really cool, too, because, beloved, the light that we have promises us, Joel chapter 2, someday we will have these same exploits. We like to spiritualize it, which we should, because we have a spiritual kingdom that we're a part of. But at the second coming, we embrace some of these things. The light that's in us now is amazing. 
But anyway, verse 30 goes on to say, As for God, his way is perfect, for the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to those who trust in him. Now that's the key. Trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? Who's gonna, who are you going to park your car on? It's going to have to be the Lord, man. There ain't no other place that's going to be solid other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet. And so what is a hind? It's a deer, thank you. I was wondering what that was. Uh, and setteth, my, setteth me upon my high places. I actually did know, but I was just I was testing, kind of. All right, so, uh, no, I really did know. But anyway, you guys are kind of tired today, aren't you? <laughs> I can tell. And you're kind of like, yeah. All right, so, he, he, he keeps, he made his feet, he was fleet of foot as well. So it's not just about, you know, standing there for Ephesians 6, which it is. It's also about being fleet of foot, so you can move, right? And so, he says, man, you've made my feet, uh, you know, like hinds feet. And so Israel, as a nation, unfortunately, they missed the light, right, when he came. God was trying to work in their life. He was trying to, to, to manifest himself. We know in the book of John, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We've already covered that. He is the light of the world. He came to his own. His own received him not. He came to them to, so that they might have the light. But Israel as a nation is blinded to this day in part, according to Romans eleven twenty five, because they have tripped over the cornerstone. They fell, they have fallen and been broken. It's interesting because God prophesied in Isaiah twenty eight, verse thirteen, it says, But the word, the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little. Now if you stop at that, that uh, semicolon, we quote that around here all the time because that is a great principle of Bible study. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here, you know, comparing Scripture with Scripture. But if you actually read that in context, what is he saying? That is all the Bible was to them. It was just line upon line, precept upon precept. It was information. It was information about God, but it wasn't quickening. It wasn't bringing them to life. It wasn't the light of God's word to their heart. And there is a difference. So you can be puffed up with knowledge. But what's, what's Paul say? Charity edifies. There has to be a heart for God's word. right? There, there, there has to be a love relationship with God or you're missing the boat. If you're coming to HBF just to learn the Bible, praise the Lord. I hope you learn the Bible. But more importantly than that, you need to understand the author of the Bible. You need to have a personal relationship with him, not just at a head intellectual level, but in a heart level, gut level, whatever you want to call it. You've got to have a relationship with God. If you don't know him, you can come to this church and be tripped up over the very information, the very word of God, the rock of Christ, if you don't bow to him, if you don't understand who he is. The text goes on to say that's exactly what happened. It says, Little, uh, a little, and they're a little, and then that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men. Right? If you have a scornful heart, right? Uh, you have an attitude that rule this people which is in Jerusalem, because you have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. God's word will not happen to us. We're better than that. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. 
you know what? They deceived themselves. It goes on to say, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, right? A, a cornerstone, a sure foundation. That's to be built upon. That's to be stood upon. That is to be, that is to be embraced, right? That is to be a, a home, eventually, a, a place of protection. It's to be a, an enclave. But when the, when, the, when the builders rejected that stone... They crushed him. Beloved, we, we preach the word of God, but the, God forbid we get inoculated to the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Because this is about a relationship between God, and it's about a relationship with, with each one of us individually, and it is manifest horizontally in the body of Christ. It brings our relationships to light. Israel, they were going through the motions. They had all the religion going, and, and yet they said, well, God's judgment's not going to ever fall on us. That's never going to happen to us. God says, what are you talking about? Sure it will. And of course, you know what happened. Jesus Christ himself shows up, the light of the world. And they would look him in the face and call him a devil. They would look the, the, they would look the light of God right in the face and, and say, you're a liar. And you know what happened. Acts chapter 4, Peter preaching says, this is the stone which was set at naught. You took the word of God and you just threw it aside. Remember about three weeks ago, I was asking you, how much time are we spending in this book? Now, by the way, God has, he loves Israel. They're going to be saved at length. But I mean, it hasn't gone well for them because they said it not the Word of God, capital W. You see what I'm saying? You can't disconnect the light of God's Word, this book, from our walk. We can't just say, well, I love God, but I don't want to read his Bible. I love God, but I don't want to keep his commandments. I love God, but I'm going to hate my brother. No, you're going to trip, you're going to fall, you're going to stumble, and you're going to get crushed. That's what's going to happen. And so he says, man, this is the stone which was set at not of you builders, which became the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby... We must be saved. Now, of course, they rejected the light of the gospel. Jesus Christ, again, is the embodiment of that. So refusing to walk in the light of God's word does have consequences. In Proverbs 4.19, the Bible says uh, that God's enemies will stumble over the light and the love of Christ. Can you believe that? The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. They don't even know what they're tripping over. In Psalm 27, in verse 1, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And we've already read that God illuminated him, and he would run through a troop, and he was, he was giving God credit for all of the, the power that he bestowed upon him. In verse 2, it goes on to say, When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Why? Because the light of the word was protecting David. Man, for the Christian man, the, the, the word of God is the safe place. It is the foundation. It is the bedrock of our faith. It is the light that lights our path. It is what keeps us from stumbling. It is what gives us the, the ability to move and like, a, like a deer. Man, it is incredible. We can see clearly and we can walk soundly. But I tell you what, when you throw this book aside, when you minimize the word of God, when you just kind of, ah, whatever, just like Israel. Oh, they, they had to memorize. They had a book, chapter, verse. But when it came right down to the relationship with the Son of God, they just cast it aside. 
They took it lightly. And you know what? The judgment came. God forbid that would be us this morning. I know it's not us here, but, but by God's grace, it's just a warning. Maybe somebody's listening online. Israel tripped and stumbled over the light because they didn't love their Messiah. Nevertheless, God restored them. In Romans eleven eleven, the Bible says, I say, and I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their, their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if they, the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? You know what's awesome today? This is a type, it's a picture. God it will someday restore Israel, though they've been in the doghouse for a long time. There's hope. If you're still breathing today, and you feel like, man, Brian, I have just, I'm saved. I'm like Israel. I have a relationship with God, but I have set at not God's word. I really haven't esteemed his words as my necessary food. I really don't honor God's word. You don't have to stand up and tell me about it, but I tell you what you can do is go to God with that and get that right because you're still breathing. And that means God still has hope to restore you. You can stumble, but you can fall. Now, this is why it's important that we understand there's little children, children, Young men, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. When you're young, you can stumble and fall and get back up again. But I tell you what, the older we get, the more we know of God's word, the more we know to do right, the more important it is that we do right. Right? It's not because it's easier, but because we understand it's important. It's, ma- it's magnificence. And so you think, man, I'm a spiritual giant. I am the most mature person in the church. Well, you better keep your walk tight then. Uh, you, need to, you need to make sure you love God's word and love God's people because that's the example you need to set or it's easy to stumble and fall. In Romans eleven twenty five, the Bible says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Why did blindness happen to Israel? Well, very simply because they rejected the light of the word. Jesus Christ, of course, being the word. If God is giving you light through the gospel, it's important that you take it. Maybe you've come this morning and you're not born again. And this whole discussion of Jesus being a real person and, and, and literally giving your uh, heart to him, trusting what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago to save you, has never really set in before. But maybe now it has. And you realize, you know what? I have set that message aside and I've stumbled over it. Well, you know what? There comes a day in your life where you've got to deal with it. You've got to reckon with it. That the only way, the only truth, and the only life is through Jesus Christ. And you can't afford to just push it aside, else you'll trip over it. And someday it'll grind you to a powder if you don't submit. But while you're breathing, now is the time to understand God's love. Understand the Father does love you, and he demonstrated that 2,000 years ago by giving his son on the cross. And he didn't just die on the cross, he rose again the third day according to the scripture, fulfilling the word of God. And he's alive right now. And if you want to have eternal life... Well, you simply got to come to eternal life. That's Jesus Christ. Receive his love for you and and receive Christ in your heart. It's a gift. You don't earn a gift. You can't work for a gift. It's not about getting baptized. It's not doing 10 jumping jacks. It's not saying Hail Mary. It's simply coming to Christ and confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And man, receive him as your Lord and Savior. You'll be saved just like that. You can do it right now in your chair. You can come forward to an altar. You can come and see me in my office. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is you've got to come to that point in your life where it's about you and him, and you, and you really trust him as Lord and Savior. And if you do that, the light of Christ will light you up. Your candle will be lit.
And you know what? You need to keep on burning that flame. That's why you got to get into the Word of God. Discipleship is the primary thing that we do. It is the thing the church does. We make disciples because it's important that we not only learn the Bible, but we live the Bible. Discipleship is not just a Bible study. It's actually taking what we know about the Bible and walking it out. It's doing it. Um, and so it's important that we make that happen. If you need to know Jesus as Savior, today is the day. Now, point D, the power of loving the brethren strengthens our walk. So if you want a stronger walk, well, then guess what? Keep on strengthening your relationship with the brethren. Now, I, I'm pretty outward focused. I know we need to share the gospel with the world. We need to love the world. But you've got to be balanced here because it is so important, especially as the days grow darker, that we grow tighter because we are the only example some people will have of a functional family, even with all of our dysfunction, <laughs> right? Because it's the love of Christ that makes it all happen. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, the Bible says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if, if, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, who shall withstand him? And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, what, what am I saying? It's, it's so important that we love one another because, you know what, there's strength in our unity. It's so important. You know, draft horses are incredibly strong animals, and you probably have heard this before. It's, it's been tested. I read an article. I've lost the, the, the reference now. I don't know where it's at, but I read an article that this was tested. Um, but it said that a, a draft horse, you know, like the a Clyde's, a Clydesdale, Clydesdale? Clydesdale, can pull like 8,000 pounds. I mean, that's a lot of, of weight. That's strong, strong animal. But when you yoke them together, uh, two of them can do uh, 24,000 pounds. Yeah, it's three times what one can do. And somehow, they're just, they're just, it's a force multiplier. Well, that's what discipleship is. That's what relationship is. That's why Jesus hung around with these 12 men, and he invested his life in them. And, and so they loved each other. They knew each other. They didn't have a perfect relationship. They all denied him, actually, <laughs> so, except for John. And, but yet he loved them, and he brought them back together. And you know what? God, he illuminated them as he gave them the Holy Ghost, and he sent them forth with the gospel, and God lit the world up through them. Even cantankerous Paul, who kicked against the pricks in his heart, eventually came to the place where he was blinded by the light, right? And he got saved, and he realized, whoa, I missed the boat, and he spent the rest of his life building the church. And so Paul wrote himself in Ephesians 4 and verse 15, he says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. He's talking about the body, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's pretty wordy. I had to get to the end. The body edifies, it builds itself in love. We're bodybuilders, man. Pump me up. Right? And so <clears throat> that's what we do. Yeah, some of you are old enough to remember that. And so of the seven churches of Revelation, right, that's, that God is he's building the church, and he's given us a historical outline. It's never perfect. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of problems. So no church is, get this down, no church is perfect, no Christian is perfect. Right? But you've got to love God, and you've got to love one another, and build upon the Word of God. The Word of God is what rules, the light of Christ. And so of the seven churches of Revelation, the church that was the most impactful church is marked for brotherly love. And I mentioned that last week. So what church was that, class? Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. That church had the key of David, the key of David. 
And so the key of David, of course, David was a man of faith. He believed the promises of God that his throne would be established forever. All he had to go on is what God told him, and he believed it. Later on, Hezekiah had the key of David. The key of David was that, that his city, Jerusalem, would not be sacked by Sennacherib, totally, wholly based upon the promises of God's word. Well, beloved, I'm telling you right now, I'm going forward in faith. I'm believing that the day I knelt down and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior was all I needed against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you know what? I'm living it out that way, by faith, by faith. The church, the church of Philadelphia, they were, they, were, they were a church of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The light was on there, right? The whole world heard the gospel. Uh, I mean, well, not every, every nation, tribe, and tongue, but I mean, the gospel went literally around the world in the Philadelphian church age. And here we are with the technology and all these physical accoutrements, and the reality is we're struggling to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. What is that? Maybe it's not technology we need. Maybe we need more love, more light, supernaturally. You guys tracking with me? I'm not talking Jesus movement. You know, you don't have to grow long hair and wear sandals, though, if that's your deal. You can do that. But there was something going on with the Jesus movement in that regard, and it was good. Okay, so bringing relationships to light, not the sandals and long hair. I'm talking about the emphasis on love. Uh, and so bringing relationships to light is important. First, you see clearly, and then we need to walk soundly, right? When we see clearly, when we see God's word, when we're illuminated by the word of God, we're going to be able to walk the way we need to walk. We're going to love God. We're going to love one another. But when you look at this text, you need to take it and read it personally. Now, this, this, we're going to finish up here in, in verses. Uh, I'm not going to read all through verses 1 through 14, but when you take all of this up to verse 14, from verse 1 all the way down to, to verse 14, I want to circle back around on what I was talking about with how this is laid out, kind of in a circular fashion, and we as Gentiles like a lineal outline. And uh, I want to just show you something I'd never seen before. And so in, in, in this text, um, it's interesting, because in 1 John, the phrase I write appears six times in, verse, in uh, four verses, and not once more in the entire book. And so the, the phrase I have written appears twice and is in this, uh, in this same chapter, in verse 14, in reference to the fathers and the young men. So what that means is John is making a point of writing a personal letter to these uh, so they, they may see clearly and walk soundly. Now, God has given us a New Testament in his blood so that we may see clearly and walk soundly. But what I've really been touching on is that for that to really happen, to see clearly and walk soundly, is each and every one of us individually in this room, and anybody who will listen online, we have to take it personally. It's a letter to us. And I, and I never saw this before until I was preparing this little sermon series, but I noticed in verse 1 that John distinguishes between little children and he says, my little children, in verse 1. He says, my little children. So read what is written so that you know who to love. He says, my little children. And so this distinction uh, I didn't actually point that out in my first message about three weeks ago because I didn't actually notice it until after that. But I'm like, wow, as I was looking at this, he deals with this, group, this differently than just the little children. And so, uh, so God the Father claims you as his. Though we've been adopted spiritually and physically by the Father, we're, we're, we are not orphans, right? We are all to be changed. He's going to get to that in chapter 3. 
into his very image. So we should be getting into this book daily, getting his mind so that we can morph into that image before he gives us our new body. Would to God we would be completely changed internally, looking like the body image that we'll get once we get caught up and changed physically. We need to look more and more like our Father every day. He, and you know, it's interesting. He says, my little children. Let me ask you this. How has the light of the Word of God in your life affected your relationship with others to the point that you have a father-son relationship? Now, we shouldn't break our arm patting ourselves on the back. This is my, I, I hate it. We're in a discipleship church. Sometimes in a discipleship church, disciplers get too big for their britches, and they're like, this is my fruit. This is my son in the Lord which is cool because we, we've seen that example in this church, not in a good way, uh, but you, I don't know if you've ever seen it in a bad way. It's kind of, you can smell it, you know. You're like, come on, man. We all understand this. When we, give, when we lead someone to Christ, they are like our child in the Lord. They're like a son, a child as we grow them up in the word. But at the end of the day, we understand. Whose child is it? It's God's. Their father's in heaven. But we take on a kind of a role to help shepherd them and guide them if we're mature, and they claim us. I introduced uh, Kim Morrow the other day to Doug Howie, and he says, this is my daddy, my pappy, you know, and I, I got to be honest with you, that just, that makes you feel good, you know. You're like, wow, praise the Lord, you know. But at the end of the day, you know what, you know what, I'll just let you in on a little secret. All I did is show up and share the light, you know, and just loved on a brother. Who grew him up? God did. God did. And so, the reality is, man, God wants us to all be fathers. That's my point. He wants us to be fathers, not in a stinky way, but in a, in a really solid, loving, biblical way. He wants us to invest our life in people so that they grow up and mature. And that starts by leading people to Christ, discipling people in the Word of God, even being an example uh, to somebody in the ministry. There's a, you know, Paul said to the Corinthians, there's a lot of teachers, there's thousands of instructors, right? But not many fathers fathers nurture fathers care they they invest right and so it's important that we understand that so god is our father but he is my father right and he is your father because he is jesus's father i had someone tell me yesterday uh, or a couple weeks ago they didn't need to participate in the dads and donuts uh because they didn't have a father and i said i was like wait a minute what do you mean you don't have a father you got here so somebody was your daddy Number one, but number two, if you're saved, who's your father? God's your father. Who's your daddy? God's your da- God's your father. Get that down. It's important uh, because you know what? You need to be claimed. I bet those that you know when he said my little children. There's some disciples that read that and they knew who he was talking to. They're like, he's my daddy in the Lord, All right? Like like Timothy was the son to Paul. Well, Paul wasn't really his earthly father, right? He had a different earthly father. But he had a spiritual father, a man that invested in him. I can say the same. Earl Cross was my spiritual father. He led me to Christ. He discipled me. He got me. We're not anything alike in so many ways. But you know what? We are alike when it comes to loving God and loving people. That's what it's about. And so God, you invest your life in other people. They become a spiritual father. And man, would to God we have that kind of fruit in our life. It was a beautiful thing uh, uh, that Jesus said to Mary Magdalene after his resurrection. In John 20, 17, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I have not ascended to, there it is, my father. But go, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father, and then here it comes, 
and your father. Right? Because Jesus uh, gives us access to the father, his father. Guess what? He becomes our father. You have a father in heaven. You got Jesus' word on it. He says, hey, listen, you don't want to touch me. I, I haven't ascended to my father, but I'm telling you what, my father's your father. Don't get in the way of that. Hallelujah to you. And our God, right? He's our Lord and he's our God to finish that verse up. So, so who, do, who do you need to love? Well, you need to, you need to love the little children, but especially those that you've, you've led to Christ, those that you're discipling. Make sure you invest in them heavily because that's where the light's going to go. It's easy to get spread out and spread thin, but make discipleship a very important a priority. Also, your physical children, right? I mean, I don't, that just goes without saying. But also, he mentions in verses 7 through 11, we've already touched on that, so I'm not going to beat it to death, but brethren, right? So then he goes from my little children, and he gets down to verse 7, and he says, brethren. And in verses 7 through 11, he deals with that, and, and we share a relationship with the Father, right? So we should love the people that God has us investing in personally. We should love the brethren. We've been talking a lot about that. And, uh, and so take your relationship with the people in your local church seriously. For many of us, for many of us, um, this is the only family you have. And I tell you what, for those of you that come from a really strong uh, nuclear family, I, first of all, I want to say praise God, hallelujah, that is amazing and that's awesome. There are people in this church that are jealous of that. They're going through Facebook and they're saying, man, I wish we had that. I wish I had that. Hey, for those of you, and I don't know who I'm talking to, I'm just talking to the atmosphere here, that, that I'm, talking, I'm talking to you, you got that. Man, you come and you get, you want to take a picture with your family, we're all here. You want to, I mean, this is your family. We love you, we receive you, uh, this is home. And we're built on the foundation of Christ. Christ is the cornerstone. I mean, he is the capstone, he's everything. And we've got his word. You are in a family unit. Brethren, treat each other, right? Brothers and sisters. There's a, I could preach, but I don't have time for all that right now. I'll get to that later. And then he says little children in uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And then when he gets to verse 18, which I'll get to in a few weeks, uh, he deals with little children as he deals with the onset of the Antichrist spirit that was of that day. So he's, he's got a real emphasis on little children, not just his, but all little children. Boy, do we not live in an age where we should all be concerned not just about our four, not about our six, not about our 12. And we need to be concerned about little children, physically and spiritually. That's a very tense situation in our culture, isn't it? Christians, for the most part, want to honor life, protect life. Not just our kids, but every child. Why? Because they don't have a voice. You know why you feel that way? Because it's biblical. That's the mind of Christ working in and through you. It's the light of God. Sometimes it's opposed to this world. You know what? Let it go. Let it fly. Why? Because that's the way God's created. He says, you know, my little children, my brethren, but hey, little children, little children. And he, and he addresses the little children. The bulk of the instruction in the chapter is geared toward little children. So if you're young in the Lord, you need voluminous amounts of scripture and instruction. It's like a child, man. They can just take in all that. I'm watching... Watching a little uh, Lincoln, I was just thinking about this, this over the weekend, Lincoln, Lincoln, um, um, Fleshman, thank you. You know, you, about the time you think that guy is bouncing off the walls, no offense, Grandpa. Uh, and he's got this information. I watched him surprise someone the other day uh, in a class, and, and he's like, it looks like he's not paying attention, and he's like, and someone asks a question, Lincoln raises his hand up and shocks everybody. Why? Because he's got the answer. Got the verse memorized. What? Why? Because... Little children, they're just sucking in data. 
in their mind. You ever see little kids memorize scripture? It's amazing. Voluminous amounts of scripture. Their brain isn't cluttered with all the garbage that we've got in our heads, man. And it's awesome to see the information. You know what? The bulk of this chapter is based and focused on little children. Man, let me just say something. I know it's not cool today to take lots of Bible verses and throw them out all over the place like I do every week and voluminous amounts of information. But you know what? You need it. If you're a child of God, especially a young child of God in this world, I know everybody wants to dumb it down and make it simple. And we do need to do that to some degree. We've got to make the Bible where you can digest it. But at the same time, you need a lot of it. You need a lot of peas, a lot of carrots, a lot of... You need a lot of word, man. And you need to get as much as you can because it's going to help you grow. I thank God for the, 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 the hours of Bible studies and sermons and all the things I said, things that were way over my head. I'd sit and listen to those things and listen to those things, things I could never apply at the time. What was that? That was me sitting at the feet of John, listening to all of this stuff I didn't understand, waiting for God to give me the wisdom to put it all together. That's what little children do. They don't expect little children to have it all down. You know what they're going to do? They're going to take this information. They're going to be top-heavy, and they're going to go, right? They're going to fall over. They're going to stumble. And that's why we got to be there. If we count ourselves to be that mature, then we'll pick them up, and we'll hold them, and we'll help them walk until some of that top-heaviness works its way down into their feet. And that's what, that's what mature Christians do. So that, that's the audience, right? It's, the, it's my, little, my little children, the brethren and little children, Man, if you don't love, if you can't love that, you're off. You really are messed up. And you need to get with Jesus so he can give you his heart because that's his heart. And then you need to read what's written personally so you know how to love. It's not just knowing who to love, right? You got to know how to love, especially as the days grow darker. And he only mentions the fathers. Now look at verses 13. Let me just, let me go back to the text. In verse 12, he says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. That's what he wants the little children to know. You're forgiven. Later on, he says in in verse 13, I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. He'll address him again in verse 18, but we'll get to that in a few weeks. That's all he says, just a couple short sentences. Your your sins are forgiven, you've known the Father. But then he writes to these fathers. In the next, he doesn't skip to the young men, he goes right to the fathers. He says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. And interestingly enough, he repeats himself to the fathers. I write unto you, uh, or he, down in verse uh, 14, he says, I write unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. That's all he says. He says the same thing twice. Fathers, I write unto you because you've known him that is from the beginning. Now, I believe that, that uh, you have known him from the beginning is very important. Historically, I believe that John is probably writing to those who, like himself, knew Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. I mean, these are people who knew Jesus Christ. There's nothing else to say, guys. <laughs> you know, you know what I know. Fathers be fathers. But John is also writing to those who had no doubt and were sure of their relationship in Christ. And they were fathers because they had, it had borne fruit, faithful fruit over the years. He's talking to people that were responsible for a heritage that was following them. And beloved, let me, let me tell you something. You never grow too old. He mentions it in the same chapter with all of the young children and all the milk, but you never grow too old to drink a little milk and remember how much God loves you as a child. Fathers, you should know what to do. Father, it used to be said that fathers know best. Well, the Father in heaven certainly does know best. 
Now it's a matter of doing what you know to do so you can be an example for those little children, those brothers and those young men who are learning from you and the knowledge that God has given you through the Father in heaven. You know, Jesus loved the Father, but the Father, what did he love? Us. He loved the world. Literally, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God had this love for the world that Jesus, he's like, Son, just focus on me. You just do what I tell you, Son. But my heart is for the world. Fathers have vision. They can see beyond their own family. They understand that others need need what they got. I watched as a young, zealous uh, <clears throat> warrior for Christ. became. I've seen young, zealous warriors for Christ become uh, filled with faith. And as they grow older, they become more gracious. I had an opportunity several, uh, well, probably a little over a year ago or so, a couple years ago, Bill Bartlett, which is Brett's dad. I mean, he's noted for going to war. When he was a young man down at BBC, he went to war over the King James Bible. I mean, there was lots of carnage <laughs> among Baptist circles. It was a big deal. But you know what? The last thing I heard him talk about was how important it was for us pastors. He's mainly talking about pastors to make sure that we love each other. And I remember sitting there going, wow. He's kind of moderated. I, I, I just, uh, I was like, wow. You know, that seems to happen to older guys. Fathers are, are the glue that hold families together. And I think the older that, that, that men become, physically, fathers and, and spiritual fathers, the more they realize and recognize, you know what, I need to make sure that my example holds things together and not tears it apart. The older they get, the more they appreciate what's held together by God's love. I was only a pastor for not even a year, and I realized that the only thing that keeps a church together is God, His Spirit. Because there is nothing that keeps this many people with this many opinions in one place but God and His Word. It's not me. It's not manipulation. It's none of that. It's not entertainment. If it's, a, it's, a, it's a, if it's of God, it's of God. It's the spirit of the living God working in and through his body to accomplish his mission and his power for his glory. So we need to read what's written personally. right? This is a personal deal. And as you look at this, these spiritual steps that we're talking about, right? That where are we at? You should be considering, where am I at? Am I a little child? Am I a young man? Am I a father? You know, where am I at in this, in this, in this uh, process? We need to read what's written personally so we can know what to love. And I really like the way he ends it with the young men. It's not in a lineal order, so it throws me off. I'm like, why is he, st-? I'm sitting there scratching my, why does he start with, you know, little children, then he got my little children, then he skips to brethren, and then he's over here dealing with little children again, and then he's over here dealing with fathers, and now he leaves the young men for last. What's that all about? I think there's something to that. Because I tell you what, I think the last thing we need to learn from the way this is outlined by the Lord is what to love. Well, we, need, we, know, we know who to love. We, we, we can see the Father's love. We know how to love. But man, man, now we need to know what to love. And you know, young men, 1 John 2, 13 through 7, he addresses them twice here. He says, uh, uh, down here in verse 13, I, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Oh, that's awesome. They're victorious. Uh, verse 14, <clears throat> he says, uh, I write unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So he adds a little more light in verse uh, 14 to why these young men are strong. Why? Because they've held fast to the faithful word as they have been taught. 
Young men, you're in, a, you're in a battle. Young ladies, you're in a battle. You walk out of this church, you go to high school, you go to college, you go to elementary school, for goodness sake. You go to preschool anymore, right? And what's going to happen? They're going to want to wrestle the Word of God away from you. The one thing a young man cannot allow, a young lady cannot allow to happen, is allow themselves to lose faith in what God has said. There's so much power, there's so much strength in the young men and women. We all know that. We all recognize that. It's not about the old guy. It's about the new guy. It's always about the younger generation. It's always about bringing up the next generation. Why? Because God knows that we need that strength. We need the strength of the ox. Young men, twice, John repeats that you have overcome the wicked one. He's acknowledging you have a battle that you're engaged in, and you have won it because Jesus Christ is your victor. Young men are to be strong in the word of God. Strength of the young man and young men, I'm sorry, go hand in hand. In Acts 5, 6, when Ananias drops dead because he is mocking God, he trips over the word of God himself. He's a, he's a hypocrite. God slays him. Boom, he's dead. Who, carries him, who winds him up and carries him out? Young men. Why? Have you ever tried to carry a dead body? Okay, me neither. All right, so, so the, the, the thing is, that's heavy, right? I used to wrestle, right? And you, you pick people up. That's, that's a lot of weight, right? A dead body's e- even worse. You know, they're, not, they're just there's dead weight. So they get these young men, these strong young men, and they pick up the body. They wind him up, and they pick him up, and they take him to be buried. Why? Because they needed their strength. Young men can carry a lot of weight. Look around HBF if you don't believe that. A lot of the ministry weight that's being carried in this church is being carried by young men and young women. Praise the Lord. You know what we need? More young men and more young women. We need more because us old guys aren't carrying as much weight as we used to, right? We need young men. Last week, we celebrated Father's Day. Young men must be faithful if they're going to prepare the next generation to produce faithful fruit. The idea of John 15 is that young men produce fruit that remains, right? Much fruit that remains. And they become like spiritual fathers as they grow and mature. In 1 John 1, 7, the Bible says, If you walk in the light as he's in the light, you have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Who did the work on the cross, beloved? Jesus, the Son. The Son. The work that's necessary for salvation was accomplished by Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross. So notice this. Young men overcome. They're overcomers. He keeps mentioning that they overcome. Romans 12, 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Young men that overcome are full of faith. In 1 John 5, verse 4, the Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who who slayed Goliath? David. Was he an old man? No. He was a young man. Now, It wasn't that they were lacking a general. It wasn't that they weren't lacking a lot of troops. They were actually lacking somebody that was full of faith. So if you're a young man or young woman, listen, this is what you bring to the battle. Faith, faith, faith. Bring your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Young men, don't allow anyone to rob you of your faith. Because that's the strength that wins the battle. That is the key of David, by the way. It overcomes the giant of sin and death. Jesus was only 33 years old when he conquered sin and death. 33 years old when he slayed the giant of sin and death. The order of this, I believe, is perfect because John is going to pick up the discussion of what we all should love and not love. In 1 John chapter 2, 
in verses 5 through 17. So this gets me to my homework, or your homework, our homework. All right, you guys up for homework? Raise your hand if you're up for homework. Now, some of you are being honest. All right. <laughs> I want you all to be in on this, but I can't make you. I won't twist your arm, but I need you all to. You're wise to ask, I guess, what the assignment is before you raise your hand. So here's your assignment. You need to memorize First uh, John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And next week, there will be a reward. If you, can, if you can have that memorized. And you can cite it in front of everybody. So, uh, and if you can't, that's okay. But memorize it anyway. First John, so what did I say? First John chapter 2, verses what? 15 through 17. Three verses. Woo! Uh, so, we're going to live this out. We're going to put the light of God's word in us. Because you know what? God wants to bring our relationships to light. See clearly, walk soundly, and read personally. Hey, this week, could you also do this? Make sure you read your Bible, right? Read the Word of God, meditate upon it, and ask God to give you people to share the gospel with, or to share the share truth with, and uh, and, and see what God God will do. If you want that to happen, it will happen because it's God's will. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity.